Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Hello? Hello? All right, let's try this one more time before we decide to close out. All right. White Welch. White, are you with me? Um, yes, can you hear me? <laughs> oh, good. I take that as a yes. <laughs> yes, that's a yes. That's a yes. Okay, good. I had some space age, you know, headphones plugged in. That wasn't working, so I'm using the good old-fashioned microphone. Okay, fantastic, my friend. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, 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 you know, <laughs> I'll edit all of this out. But <laughs> with this being a live podcast, honestly, I never know what's going to happen next. Literally. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> I never know, but I'm glad we made the connection. Right on, me too. Thank you. All right. I'm glad you're with me. That makes me happy. All right. Hold on one second. Let me get situated here. Let me calm down and breathe through the nose two or three times, and we'll be ready. Are you ready? Oh, I am. Thank you. All right. Hello, everyone. We are back this evening. White Welch will be my guest. White's work has been published in a number of journals. In their recent poetic work, they question self and state boundaries. Another poet concern is living as a gay transgender person in the United States, and their story is just incredible. Flower Song Press released their debut poetry collection, Capitalism Calls Poetry Lazy, in 2022. I know I'm missing stuff, Wyatt, but welcome to the program. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Dr. Ingram. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. We've been planning this for some time, so I'm glad it's happening. All right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's begin this poetic journey, my friend. Mm-hmm. What is poetry? Yeah, gosh, it's, poetry is just so awesome, isn't it? I'm so glad that we have it um, as a species. So I have a background in linguistics. I studied um, phonology in college, and I got to really see a lot of different languages of the world, and not just, you know, European languages. I got to really look at how thoughts are structured in Japanese and in Swahili, and then Aymara and Quechua, Cherokee. Um, so I got to really um, see a lot of how poetry can be structured and how the world can be divided into different languages around the world. So for me, what I really enjoy about poetry is, you know, the energy you get when you take two very different ideas and rub them together, or when something is expressed in a new way that feels more truthful. I, okay. I really love 
poetry's ability to break the everyday, to break us out of our everyday language. And it pushes us into new language constructions. And it shakes you a bit. I, I, poetry does stuff that a lot, stuff that a lot of the other arts just don't do. You know, I really love poetry. Yeah. And we're lucky <laughs> to have it, aren't we? <laughs> it sounds like you really love it. It sounds like you really love it. So you're mm-hmm. loving it. Let me ask you a question. Why mm-hmm. then do you view it as being important to the masses? And it's kind of a slight twist on the other question, but why do we as poets do what we do? Why do we do it? Yeah. Um, yeah, what sits me down to continue to drive poetry? I do it a lot for myself to try okay. to grow and think. I love thinking through a poem and watching the poem teach me what it's going to be about. I really like that. Very much a divinatory process, you know, sometimes. Um, so I really enjoy that, the enrichment that comes from it. My work is pretty political because, um, you know, gosh, um, what a species we are. Can you, <laughs> it, can you hear me? Oh, yes, I can. Okay. Can you hear me? Tell me. Yeah, I can now. Tell okay. me more about liking a poem telling you what he wants you to do, teaching you what he wants you to do. Yeah, I mean, the, the new structures of a poem, right, can mm-hmm. be really illuminating, can be shocking. You can see something in a new way before, you know. Um, so that, yeah, that's really important to do as a poem, as a poet, you know, trying to push push against the, the language and the, the thoughts and the politics of your time. Um, okay. to get people to see it, to transmute. Um, it's really important, especially as a queer person. I love mm-hmm. how poetry transmutes. You know, if you say gay in English, mm-hmm. it has all these connotations. But then if you, you know, all of us have heard this, if you look at like you know, the, the Blackfoot language or an Ojibwe, how queer is identified as two-spirit. You know, you have this language where all of a sudden, I'm not, it's not shameful to be gay. Mm-hmm. You are, you're actually more improved, right? You have two spirits. You're more balanced. You're more equal. That to me is poetic. That's kind of the source of poems, I think, is to cut the world differently. All right. You know, please share with me an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power. Oh, yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, so my dad kidnapped me. And yes, I, I didn't see, bring it up. I didn't see my mom. Oh, right. <laughs> so we grew up on the road. And my first poem, uh, how, how'd it go? Ozona, Opelousa, Arizona, Oklahoma. Um, the words on the map, because I would read the map and I'd tell my dad where to go. And I really love those words. Some of my first poems, um, just looking at these beautiful words um, written on the U- United States map. Hello? Yes. Okay, good. I, I didn't yes. know if we had another technical <laughs> No, we're okay. I'm listening. I'm okay. listening. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. So, you know, from um, early on, yeah, I, I really enjoyed just like big nouns, you know, the big grand nouns, you know, Tallahassee, Mississippi on the map. So I really enjoyed language that way. Um, yeah, and I'm really inspired by other languages. Like um, the word for echo in Icelandic is bergmál. And it means rock speaking. Okay. So 
Isn't that cool? So the frame of the activity, the event of it in nature is framed as rocks speaking back to you. How freaking cool is that, you know? So I really, being a poet, I really love looking into other languages. Uh, Mongolian, the word for prison in Mongolian is black house. And the word for weather is time air. How neat is that? So I really get, um, my mind gets really excited poking around into really novel languages. And those so, are some early poems for me too. All right. <laughs> well, let me ask this question. You know, in your bio, and we're going to move into your book now, Capitalism Calls Poetry Lazy. Mm-hmm. You open your bio with the statement about your father kidnap- kidnapping you. Yeah. And uh, not that I did not want to share that initially, but I wanted to talk about that because it's just it's such a blunt statement to start your bio with. I wanted to, yeah. I, instead of my just saying this and continuing on, I wanted to ask you about that. That's very powerful. That, that had to shape you. Yeah, it did. Um, I, it, God, it, you know, you live so many different lives. I'm 43 now. Um, okay. And it seems so long ago. It seems like another life. So I do kind of say it blasely. Yes. <laughs> but it did. Um, my, uh, my father and mother did not get along. And after four months after my birth, he took me from her. And um, it was really hard on her. Um, I, so I, in order to evade the police, because my mom called the police and they were looking for us, my dad, um, he was pretty messed up from the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. He, um, he killed innocent people, um, a woman and a child accidentally that haunted him. Um, he did horrible things in the war that he, he, couldn't face, he couldn't face having remorse for, so he lived defending his actions um that was hard to watch um so we lived in a car and my dad was a compulsive talker and he would we were from florida so he'd do a little cocaine and he would just go off on these talking rants for hours and i as a kid in the car i would just kind of dissociate look out the window talk to myself um in my head play music in my head to drown him out it was a really hard hard childhood um and it definitely impacted me. I moved around to, I don't know how many states I've lived in, between Florida, California, Louisiana, upstate New York. Those are places my dad would like to hide out. So we'd live in a van, um, different cars throughout the 80s. And I was in school sometimes, and he'd take me out. I went to a lot of different schools. So the first you know, 13 years of my life were pretty chaotic in the car. And I write... Um, some poems from those times, you know, all the fragmentary geography comes up. Um, yeah, so that's that's been good, you know, from my own from my own story to look at. And um, when I was 28, I eventually met my mom thanks to the internet. Um, I had tried to find my mom in fifth grade. Uh, my dad had lied to me when mm-hmm. I was a kid about who my mother was, my birth mother. My dad met another woman, Kathy, and she kind of became, I guess, I'll say my stepmom, so All our right. audience can understand, you know, but she's my mom, too, also in my heart. She raised me. Uh, okay. I love her very much. Really sweet woman. And um, so my dad lied to me. They separated that this, my stepmom was my birth mom to help evade the police. So, um, yeah, so for years, 
I didn't know who my mom was. I thought this other, you know, and so my dad went to prison. That was another long story. My dad went to prison for a year, has lived with my aunt. And they told me my real mother, my birth mother lives in West Virginia. And so I started contacting the police, um, anyone that could help. And everyone tried, but it was the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have a lot of, you know, the internet that we do now, but eventually yes. I was 28 and my ex figured out an email and it happened to be my birthday. How cool, right? Synchronicity, poetry. It was May 31st and I sent this email I had sent many times to other emails looking for my mom and she responded and then she came in back in a week, a week later um, after that. So I met my birth mom. And it was really good. She had she went through a lot of trauma and guilt having to let me go. Yes. So she found out from the officers that me and my dad were living on kind of on the run. So she decided to cease the investigation and she's she had a normal life. She um she met and married another man, had two wonderful kids. I have a half brother and a half sister, and I think that's really cool. Um so I'm really glad that she was able to put her life back together and make this wonderful life for herself. But in meeting me and seeing that I turned out okay, um, it was really healing for her. Um, yeah, it was hard, hard on everyone, you know? Yes, I can understand. Yeah, you know, like that was pretty abusive. Yes, wow. You know, lived experiences, well, I define them as being the stories that people share about themselves and their world. So did mm-hmm. that particular lived experience, part of your history, part of your lived experience, is that the driving force behind your book or that's not it? Some of it, yeah. With how this country used my father, okay. um, you know, one of my favorite poets, Alice Notley, she wrote this line that says, um, they played with our souls, quoting a soldier. Um, that's, Really, that's great how how my dad had felt um, his his fighting in Vietnam and him losing friends to horrible ways I don't want to describe on air and um, horrible horrible things and yeah and he came back he didn't get a lot of support and then the VA a lot of the care at the VA is isn't that great let's just say. And so um, growing up in the car and hearing his um, experiences of the war, his pride about it, but then also his shame about it, uh, yeah, it was really hard, really complicated. So I grew up being really angry Mm -hmm. um, at the government and how it's hurt my father. And not only that, but just, you know, the really difficult history of the United States and um, the wars we continue to calmly be doing, you know, we hurt a lot of people. For money, and I, it doesn't do much speaking out about it because they do it mm-hmm. anyway. Yes, but um, poetry is a place to be honest, and that's I'm going to shout and scream <laughs> for people mm-hmm. getting hurt, and I don't care All what right. the politics are. You know? Okay, does it hurt you to write poetry? If not, why not? Yeah, yeah, it can hurt sometimes. You know, there are different voices. You know, you can go to certain moods, and sometimes I'm pissed. <laughs> I'm being political, and I'm being a, um, a, a angry gay witch, you know, and I've got stuff to say to y'all. And then mm-hmm. another, play, another time, 
I'm romantically writing to light or animals. You know, they're different voices um, that come, you know, that come out. Sometimes in a poem, I like putting all those voices together. I, I like writing poetry where you're not, there isn't a clear thesis. There isn't a clear event. I really like a lot of fragments coming together. That keeps mm-hmm. me interested. Yeah, I hate right. reading. It's so bored reading. <laughs> right. I hate reading I have to read poetry. It keeps my interest. All right. So the title, Capitalism Calls Poetry Lazy. Tell me more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. This, the United States and our history of laziness and how, especially with white folk and how it impacts um, our justification for how, you know, we put children, mamas, fathers, you know, we accepted, you know, that, their lives were horrible in order to have a better standard of living for ourselves, calling the hardest working folk in this country lazy. You know, it's, it's the capitalism. It doesn't respect the arts. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. And arts are really hard to do. I, I put more work in this, the, this poetry book than I did my master's thesis in linguistics. Okay. You know, it's years and years of work and effort to, to pull back the capitalism to get back to the truth. So, yeah, I don't think, you know, our, our culture should value art more. Um, and I'm, I wish it would. All right. You know, flesh out for me then some of the book's predominant themes. Okay. Um, some of them, yeah, is the, the where am I as an individual? And then how have I been, how has my individual been polluted? by politics, by the history. Um, so that's, that's interesting. Where do I end? Where does America end and I begin? Um, okay. Other parts of the book are biographical. I write about my kidnapping. Other times um, I delve deep into my witchcraft. I love my witchcraft, my nature. Um, it's a source of my radicalism mm-hmm. and my spiritual beliefs. So there's some energy from there. Um, yeah, sometimes and I do write about political things that are happening in this country. Um, I really wish white people would step up and not only will we have to acknowledge what we've done and we've inherited a culture and a worldview mm-hmm. that has taught us to dehumanize people for money and we just didn't change overnight. We really need to look at ourselves, apologize for our history, and next try to make right for what we've done. And we haven't even apologized for what we've done. We haven't even had the strength to look at it and grow. So a lot of times in the book, I might be talking to white folk, too, about mm-hmm. um, looking at our past and trying to be you know, better responsible neighbors. We need to grow. We need to grow. We're not. Okay. So self and state boundaries, give me more mm-hmm. about that. Break that down for me. Yeah. You know, who would I be? If I were raised in Egypt or South Africa or Australia, you know, what parts of me would be mine? And then what parts did the United States put in me? You know, like as a gay person, I have to carry this identity and it's not mine. It's straight people's. It's straight people's issue. You know, this pain isn't mine, but now it belongs to me. I have to deal with it. And I would rather just be born myself. Instead, I have, 
I've, you know, I'm identified as for my sexuality. So then in social situations, I have to use my sexuality. Okay. You know, it comes up as an issue. And so I just want to be, you know, fully healed without all this human crap on me, without the McDonald's, without the Biden and the Trump, you know, okay. um, where and who would I be um, without, without the United States inside of me? Oh, wow. And so, yeah, so I like to look at poetry to get there. Oh, wow. Without the United States inside of you. I mean, that's, that's a very powerful statement in itself, because how many people are able to separate that out? How can you tease that out? What do you need it's to do? Hard. To it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. I, don't, I mean, do we ever get there? And every child fully accepts their culture, right? I learned that in um, linguistic anthropology. Okay. Um, so it's, it's always going to frame you, but how do you unlearn and unlearn? I, it might take years. I don't know. Maybe that'd be a great question for someone in their 60s or 70s. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to get there. All right. All right. You know, the format is primarily my asking you a question and then you sharing a poem. And then we go back and forth, back and forth for a while. Mm-hmm. So what I'd like you to do now, please share a poem. Okay, great. Um, gosh, what should I share? Nothing too long. Um, let's see. Let's do maybe let's do today, Washington. This is a good one. Um, yeah, I got this one published in, uh, by Prickly Pear Press. Really nice one. So this poem is called Today, Washington. Today, Washington flattens Syria to a piece. What's even left, I'm sure, rebar and bone got the poem, or I say storm talking to earth. Some women are built by fire, that gender, and led by color, those clothes whose bodies were transformed to salt in the looking back. He keeps shuffling bodies across documents so they're impossible to find. Tonight, a military darkness covers Tucson. These late hours, too loud for rest. And that's the poem. Okay. So how does a poem begin for you, Wyatt? With an idea, a form, or an image? Oh, it could, you know, it can depend. Sometimes it beams down from in a piece of beautiful language I like, so I write that down. Um, sometimes a word will get me excited. I am writing, working on this poem right now called Door Mother. Door, like knock, knock, it's there. Door Mother. Um, yeah, I like that title. So it's coming out of that. So a lot of, a lot of different avenues. Um, yeah, sometimes I'll find a word I just, that really electrifies me and I'll start pulling it out from there. So I draw from many different sources. So you really love language and words i mean yeah. it sounds like you do yeah yeah i'm, a, I'm definitely a, a linguophile <laughs> okay okay yeah i'm quite lucky. how do you think being a linguophile has changed your life yeah i think with all of the the different language and like looking at grammatical structures across okay. the world's languages mm-hmm. um it, it, it's fascinating. It can get you to think about things in a, in a different way. So 
gosh, like in Navajo, if I, in English, if I say the fire is hot. Okay. Well, you, there's nothing that you're not forced to explain how you know it grammatically and Navajo you do. So let's say the fire is hot and I know that because I saw it melt metal. Okay. Then the mm-hmm. fire is hot clay. Or if the fire is hot because I felt it, that's how I know it because I felt it. So the fire is hot. And let's say that ma, I don't know the, the suffixes, but the fire is hot ma. So in a language like Navajo, you have to grammatically encode how you know something. And we call that evidentiality. Mm-hmm. That's really cool grammatical marking in the um, languages of North America. Um, so, yeah, I think about that sometimes when I'm writing poetry and I think about the, the different things that have to become grammaticalized. And I think about, well, should I say that here or not? Like, how is English channeling my thoughts? Okay. And how would I think about this in a different language? So then was it a difficult process for you to, to put the book together? Uh, yeah, um, I, I ended up putting some of my best poetry together and, you know, made themes in the book. You know, in the beginning, it's kind of my early life, and then the middle is more political stuff. And at the end, I get a little on the spiritual side. Um, you know, I tried my best. Okay. And I worked really hard on on all the lines in the book and the poetry. I worked really hard at it. And um, Flower Song Press um, was wonderful, small, independent press. They publish really awesome radical voices along the border. Um, they do some really great work, um, great humanitarian work, um, Chicanics literature. Um, so um, Edward uh, Valdure, he, um, he got my book and he really enjoyed it and they decided to publish it. So that's been, yeah, really fantastic. Right. I'm really um, honored to be an author among, among their poets. That's great. Tell me a little about the cover. <laughs> when I had the opportunity to look at the cover, I was like, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that that <laughs> makes a statement. Capitalism calls poetry lazy, right? So I'm thinking about mm-hmm. these rich people and how lazy they are and out of touch with reality they are. Just leisurely. At first, I thought maybe about having a picture of a golf course on it. But I thought about what's the, what are the other things that lazy people do? And I thought, well, the pool is nice. And I do love the color blue. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a picture of a very expensive hotel in South Korea, actually. And um, yeah, I thought that'd be a great cover. And Flower Song Press loved it, so they kept it. All right. You know why all great writers have great writing influences? Who are some of yours? And what makes them great in your eyes? Oh, gosh. When I was a kid, um, I really um, turned on some great poets, you know, Adrian Rich. And then in college and grad school, I was so focused on my graduate studies and my linguistics. I kind of left poetry for a bit. Um, And then one of my best friends, she introduced me to Alice Notley. And I just love her work. And she really brought me back to poetry. She really inspired me to write again. Like, oh, wow, I I kind of like, like stuff like this. And it was much more free form more cognitive. Um, so yeah, she really brought me back to poetry. 
Um, other artists too, like C.A. Conrad, he's fantastic. Um, I love how they um, their, their writing is so powerful and such a powerful witch too, I might add. Um, Tommy Pico is really cool. Um, I'm really inspired by the punchy um, um, commercial language. <laughs> um, really good and a, and a great queer voice too. So that's really exciting. It's a great time for queer poetry. I think... Um, our community is really uh, um, speaking to one another in a okay. way that we couldn't, couldn't before the internet, mm-hmm. you know, uh, white men really controlled a lot of the airwaves and the content. And what I love with the internet revolution is that my community has been sharing with, you know, the black community, the black community has been sharing with women and vice versa. We've all been trading notes and we've all been learning a lot of stuff. Um, I'm really inspired by what's going on um, in writing and in communication in general. Okay. Please share another poem. Okay. Um, I'm going to do one. Let's do NRA. It's a lot to say about that. It's a smaller poem. Here we go. <clears throat> NRA. Shot children began trending that year. The spectacle generated millions in advertising. And each time the money dripped from your chops, you said God was watching us. Look at all these groundbreaking potato chips. Oh, a glass of milk so human, you could say it's property. The national soul throws a football, throws drones up like confetti. A very slowly never seen blue southern sky so dark, my gun. That's it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to read that one again. Mm-hmm. I had just yes. settled in, and you were done. <laughs> so, okay, it's a little one. So little. please read it again. Sure. <laughs> I like that very much. NRA. <laughs> You're fun. I love it. NRA. Shot children began trending that year. The spectacle generated millions in advertising. And each time the money dripped from your chops, You said God was watching us. Look at all these groundbreaking potato chips. Oh, a glass of milk so human you could say it's property. The national soul throws a football, throws drones up like confetti. A very slowly never seen blue southern sky so dark my gun. What is the purpose purpose of that piece? I want to ask you. Yeah, um, it's pretty disgusting how we keep choosing what we think in our politics and the, and the economic power of guns over our children. I mean, Lord, at this point, like we should put security in at schools. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, there's all this fanfare about loving children and uh, and it's, and we allow this to continue. Um, it's pathetic. And so that's what I'm talking to about, you know, the, the commercialism, the money, the distraction, the media that gets prioritized over the lives of children. Um, yeah. It's, um, it's incredible. It is. Yeah. So I talk about that a bit here and there in the book. Um, 
Yeah, there's another poem called Sandy Hook, NRA, um, Albuquerque Republican Headquarters, and then Rittenhouse, which is about the gun, the gun issue and patriotism. Frustrating in those. I mean, well, it's not. I was going to share with you. That was one of my was going to be one of my questions to you, to mm-hmm. please share the titles of five poems in the book. Okay. Share Let's those see. titles again. Just five random five random titles. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, I asked Dad if there were Viet Cong witches. Okay. Uh, another one, Dear Physiques. Another one, um, I hurt most pulling up my shirt. Another one, We the Marys. It's a gay poem. Mm-hmm. And then another one, uh, Capitalism Calls Poetry Lazy. That's the title. Okay. So when titling a poem, White, mm. what should you consider? Oh, I the, the title really, people really look at that for context, right? They really look at that as like, okay, here's a little summary. And a mm-hmm. title can really make or break a poem, um, just like any other line in the poem. It's, it's a really interesting, it's a, it's a fun one. It's a sensitive, it's a sensitive part. It's the skin, right, of the poem. It's the surface. Um, yeah, I, I play a lot with titles. Titles are really important to me. So what comes first, kind of like the chicken or the egg, the title or the poem? Yeah, you know, I like any good coop, I got chickens and eggs happening all at one time. I got tight, like you said, door mother, right? And then all I right, got right. that was my Microsoft Word uh, thing, just open there, Microsoft Word document, door mother, and another time the poem comes, and then I keep working on the title, you know. Okay, okay. Share another poem. I like you your voice. Oh, Share another poem. Okay, cool. Um, I'm gonna do some a poem I really love. It's, I don't get to do it a whole lot. Where is it? It is, hang on, here it is. <clears throat> Cloud Banks, Barrio Viejo. I've been thinking about my dad's death. It was a February death, early and wet, lilied-faced mask of horror, a disembodied voice coming from a table over, the clouds, an opaque odor now, a distant road, holding open old opals, broken healing stones, no one remembered to wear a simple face, their hats are full of rain clouds. Lousy cocaine from Chihuahua, thunders loud, electro-psychological eye, mosaic of corazón and sword and Tucson electric power building. Did I turn the oven off? Afraid to drink tap water, ignite me, bad particle. When my father... Father, no, when, when the river caught fire, we all shook our heads at the waterfalls of flames diving from the rock. I'm wasting your time. No one talks about what I'm interested in, neither do I. Death's wings, pendulum, it worked beautifully. Muscle relaxer, mosaic, debris, my amulet of house keys, through, uh, light through blue plastic, apple packaging, an ocean, and my liver, the cloud banks, daydreaming, in the pines of the Santa Catalinas. Virga, under our clothes. Our clothes say, I love you. I love you more, son, the dead say. The dead wander off into things. A wind, a plate, a milk. When the dead go unrecognized, standing in the airs and the metals, the arts from where we arose, we think they no longer look like us. Broken opals blowing tones in the black. Their voices no longer 
appearing like gentle music or documents, as if to say we have finally seen one another, locked eyes deeply, and decided that we no longer needed leaders. And that's the end. Is a poem letting your guard down or building a wall? Oh, it's letting my guard down. I get pretty like nervous sometimes, especially reading in front of straight people or reading in front of more conservative people. I am letting my guard down. I, even my friends, um, you know, they read the book and they're like, wow, you know, this is really intimate I, or I didn't know this about you. So, yeah, it's um, absolutely terrifying <laughs> to have a book out there um, about these things. Um, yeah, especially a very political book in this climate. Um but you yeah. speak with such conviction, Wyatt. Yeah, I do have that. But, yeah. But I, you know, I'm also a sweetie pie. You know, okay. <laughs> you know, I do have this conviction. I know what's true. I know what's okay. right. And I know it's not okay to do certain things and hurt people. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of fools out there who, yeah, true. you know, so you got to be ready for them, too. That's why, you know, I'm a bad bitch. <laughs> okay. Tell <laughs> me Tell me about a poem you are proud of writing, but afraid to share for fear of misinterpretation. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. I'm proud of, I really like this one. Um, so I, I, am, I am a gay man, but also, oh. too, there is a transness inside of me. Um, I know that certain parts of myself would be happier or more at peace had I been born, you know, a woman. There are parts of me in my heart and my soul that do feel that. But also at the same time, I've, I'm, I'm lucky that I feel comfortable in my body. I have my health. um, And so I don't feel the need to express it in my clothing. Um, But I, I do know what's in my heart. So Yeah, I'll I'll read the poem here. I hurt most pulling up my shirt. She, he is the first thought. If I don't see skin, see you, cover girl. These two pronouns called I, what's between my legs might as well be between my arms like shoulders. Forget what I put on and separate into sleeves, into blouse, into flag the sun has photo-degraded of country. I wear breasts in language. I am lying on a blanket in someone else's desert. I was the window of my body so open, so look away. And that's the end of the poem. You know, I really listen to a poem's diction. Share with me any words or lines in that particular piece that you feel were well chosen. Oh, I like. Um, and what? And what? I like um, the phrase "these two pronouns called I." Mm. I'm a textbook Gemini. I am all of. I got a lot of people up in my business. I got a lot of people in here, <laughs> and all right. I feel like there's a multiplicity, and I think that's you know, that's an elemental part of all of us, you know, Um, we all serve different roles, you know, father, mother, friend. um, But yeah, I like that part, these two pronouns called I, I feel like I have to choose. Um, English forces me to choose. 
a lot of the time and it's breaking that choice but still trying to use the building blocks of English to create a new one so yeah I um it, that's a good part to break down how do I break down the pronoun I <laughs> you know? okay all right all right well, that's a tough one um I like the end of it. It ends in the imperative, look away. The last line, um, the window of my body so open, so look away. Um, saying that I'm being here, you know, open, I'm being transparent for you to see me, for you to love me, to see that I, I exist. Um, but still, you know, people looking away. Um, that, that's not, I don't, not, maybe it's not what people want from each other. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's I, I like that poem. I, it hit a lot of truths um, in my body, trying to like d- dispose of what other people have told me to think about my body from the left and the right, and to try to get to it up by myself. So you felt that particular piece would have been misinterpreted in what way? Maybe tell me more about that. Yeah, that, you know, maybe I'm not entirely at peace within my body okay. that I, I want to, you know, like get breast implants or wear a dress. And, and I, I've, tried, I've tried on a dress and it doesn't, it didn't do anything for me. It's actually, okay. it made me kind of sad <laughs> that, that, that nativeness was taken away from me, um, mm-hmm. that it will never feel normal, you know, so I, I don't need it. It doesn't make me feel anything. But um, I don't know if people, they assume a lot if you say, you know, you are gay or you're trans or you're, you're straight, you know, there's a lot of assumptions there. So I think, I think someone's transness, I don't know if that's necessarily the right word for it, but it's what people are saying right now. It's, it's the word. But I think, you know, we all have like real parts inside of us that are male and female and parts that are neither. Yes. And maybe parts that are more than that. So there are different sides. And I think one beautiful thing about the trans movement is that it's encouraging people to see that the full humanity within themselves to stop men from rejecting so-called feminine things or for women to, you know, one or the other. Um, Yeah. They're all, we're all different pieces and mosaics of one another, you know, that is gendered and not gendered. So it's, it's all really complicated. And I like poetry. It really evens the playing field. You know, it breaks apart the meanings and the words and helps you Lego it back together, you know, to your own. You know, are you hoping that the book resonates with a broader range of readers or targeting, are you targeting a specific audience? No, I think a broad range. You know, I'm not thinking it's just for queer people. Um, I think it's for every, you know, everybody um, in terms of talking about the, you know, not that I'm trying to market my book to everyone, but I think a lot of people will relate to the politics and maybe learn something or appreciate some of the talk about gender. Um, People who are into interesting witchcraft or more interesting spiritualities or natural forces might also enjoy the the more spiritual poems. Um, I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot. And yeah, I, I don't, I can think of who my audience member is, but mm-hmm. I've learned to not, you know, I try to pigeonhole people so much. So I'm, I'm trying to have an open mind, you know. All right. All right. Let's, 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 let's think about a poem for a second. All right. Okay. Now we're going to imagine 
that a poem is like a cake, a cake mm-hmm. that you make. All right? So to you, Wyatt, what are some of the most prevalent ingredients that go into the concoction we call a poem? <laughs> um, so the visual space, um, the cherries, you got to have, you got to have some fruit on top of your cake. You got to put okay, a little science right. on it, keep it gay. Uh, all right. <laughs> you know, so a little a, a tongue in cheek, little attitude, you know, reading between the lines. And it's really fun. I like it when the poet allows me to figure out what it's about. Um, I don't like it when things are so obvious. Um, I get that the very narrative stuff. So I like the I like the spacing, the disenjambments, uh, um, surprising words. Uh, C.A. Conrad wrote Cannibal Light. I just love that. It just sticks in my head. I love the idea of light being cannibalistic. Um, so, you know, little surprises like that, um, little neural shocks are really, are really fun for me. Um, yeah, cake. I didn't liken it to a cake very much. I, I missed oh, the right. assignment. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read my homework. Yeah, just, <laughs> you know, it's just sitting on like. the kitchen, kitchen counter. We'll make it to the mini bar. Okay, all right then. <laughs> you know, they say, and don't ask me who they, who mm-hmm. they but they say that to see the world <laughs> with complete honesty, one should look to comedians, artists, musicians, and poets. Poets, excuse me. What do you think emerges naturally from your work? What what comes from you, Wyatt? Um, I think, I think the real, I like when I, um, my favorite voice is my, the heartbroken romantic voice. Sometimes people, I've heard that people might think it sounds angry, but when I read it, I'm actually, I'm about to cry. My heart's broken. Um, we have such, God, we have such possibility and, um, here and we just, we suck it up so much. Um, because we have our lives to live, you know, it's hard. Um, so yeah, I, coming from that, um, the heart, you know, the, the heartbreak from existing in, in the world, um, that's something that I care a lot about and that will move me to write sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, you know, the heartbreak of living, It's tough out there for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I have I have things to be lucky for, I have blessings, you know, but it's really hard for folk. Yeah. Yes. And people, I'm going to include you and I'm going to include me, we see the good, the bad, the ugly, as well as the indifferent as we walk, in my mind, through life. Mm-hmm. My question is to you. What do you view as being the role of a poet in modern day society? Yeah, so if a, the poetic form, I mean, it, it's it can have a the topic can be you know drinking ginger tea and Martha's Vineyard, but I like um, something that screams and it's artful. It it, sh- it wakes people up to the reality. Um, I, I love um, political poetry. You know, like you're saying, it, it's a big thing. It, it's a big existence is heavy. And hearing about 
what we're responsible for in Syria and hearing about, you know, earthquakes in Turkey. It's, and then your neighbor. Um, it's a lot. And so I love poetry's ability to condense something that's just so infinitely heavy that won't go away, <laughs> you know, um, and condenses it into a stanza. And it, it's a, it kind of cliff notes it, you know, into, into something that, that just kind of encapsulates it all. You know, the poems about uh, are about wonder and pain um, and the beauty and the fragility. Um, those to me are some of the realest poems about the, you know, the human experience. I really appreciate writers um, who look at that. So how has your idea of poetry changed since you began writing poems? Yeah, um, yeah, I like, uh, you know, I, I used to think I had to compose them so much more like, you know, put a bow on it, like make it like a little essay. And as I've read through more artful poets who push and who break, um, it's been so freeing. Um, also, too, having a book and a collection, I was mm-hmm. thinking about this. I've been able to kind of look at and like identify, oh, this is my voice. You know, other authors, you can read them and like, okay, that's their voice. But I haven't really known what my voice is. Now I have a book. I have a little collection. I know what I sound like. So now I'm challenged to break it. I really want to break myself and find out where my writing is now. You know, some of the poems, you know, you look back at your older writing and you're like, oh, God, that was 10 years ago. I don't necessarily feel that way now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, you still have to represent the poem. Um, so I like where my writing's going to now. Um, it's poetry, writing poetry is definitely a practice. Um, it's really good, you know, just stick with it. And uh, you always get, you know, better and better at it. So that's been gratifying. So if I ask you the question, do you view your ability to write poetry as being a creative gift or creative art? Which would you say? Or both or neither? I think a, a bit of both, you know, my natural ability, I'm turned on by language. I have a language right. mind, you know, mm-hmm. five plus four, I don't know, but I know the word for echo in Icelandic, you know, I have a mind oh. for words. Um, so there's that. Um, I, I feel like I have a good sense of taste, what, what sounds good, what doesn't. So I have my editor can come out and pick apart stuff that I've written um, but definitely practice for sure. And reading other poets. Um, yeah, I really love being inspired by a new voice. You know how when you find a poem or poet, mm-hmm. you tend to love everything they write, right? Because it's a voice that you're drawn to. It's not just right. a poem. It's a voice mm-hmm. that you connect with, just like a musician. You tend to love all their work. Um, so I'm really, I really, really love finding a new poet. Um, where my voice and their voice kind of could can be friends, you know. I, there's a, a connection there, and I learn a lot from someone I feel connected to, and that's why I keep going back to poetry. All right, very nice. Please share another piece. Okay, cool. I'd like to share one of my more witchier ones. Uh, this one's called Lilith, Arizona, and on this one, I really like how the meter is broken up. So I enjoy this one. I was, I was each time conventional, 
I say my mouth, the wine glass, that's no door. I let you go in the lightning. When my heart closed its gift and the earth found suffering, if living, if it's anything. When I look into the gone of love, I was a pond in your hands. Looked down, could see bottom. Where the water, I say, is fire. Black, vague stones. At the bottom were faces, stood in features, heads singing to themselves to overthrow the vessels. Our hands wrote in their shallow. On the shore side, was I not dissolving? I became innards in a jar, open but empty. In your path, the winds, the winds mine. The woods and love are still empty, an empty born who was once wrong and laughing. I dissent, I lover remember. Your mouth was a hand, a hand cannot swim. It's holding a stone. In the lightning comes spring, in the lightning who's guiltless. Beside the lightning, the darkness just seemed evil. I burnt it in canyon, gave you a bed. When the canyon, I imagine, or what of whose fingers held back sharp heart, the quiet itself desires who then. I was holding a knife, would not climb out of myself. Wind on wing, I can still eat that. White are the stars. When the river, I say betrayal, lifted a canyon, lowers the wing. It's not sky, the water. No, there are no songs of me. What song of compassion? I spill the blades. The river heads to fill the kettles. A poet can't be. A poet, both arms. A color through forehead blows out a star. Dark are my clothes, but you will listen. It's quite That's impressive. I like that. Oh, thanks yeah, for liking very, I very, very impressive. All your work is impressive, but that particular one stands out because I could just see it on the page. You know? Oh, good. Yeah, I have it in different columns. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I can tell. It's, <laughs> it's very impressive. So the question is, with that particular piece, mm-hmm. when you finished it, during the process, who was leading you toward the finished line, you or the poem? Oh, yeah, that was Lilith. That was the poem. Oh, yeah, I was eating out of her hand. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was, when I was a kid, I was always drawn to witchcraft and nature. Nature okay. always. And I've had so many meaningful, magical experiences of just nature kind of seeing me back. Mm-hmm. Um Beautiful. And if you're a witch, you know, you know. Um, but I really respected um, uh, the feminine energy. And of course, in Christianity as a kid, you know, it's very masculine. Um, there aren't even, you know, the female God isn't even talked about. And of course, queer people are not even in heaven. There's no mention of that. So right. I really connected with nature and then the feminine energy. And, and basically the... Um, 
I think the symbolic, the symbology of it taught me to respect myself with the energy mm-hmm. that was inside of me. And so I like to tell people I'm an evil witch um, because I just, I feel like I'm an enemy of patriarchy and I really want to be everything the patriarchy does not like. I love the idea of the evil witch in a forest, um, a woman or a queer person who is less society and they are alone and they're mad and bitter because the world sucks. It's something I really relate to. Okay. <laughs> and All right. I like that. Yeah. I'll use um, my gifts to um, deal with, you know, an abusive man. I have no issue with that. So it's a little tongue in cheek, but I'm serious. I'm absolutely serious about it. You know, all my friends are witches. And in the past, my friends were burnt to death. They were tormented and they were hurt. And that people are capable of that, that doesn't mean they're not capable of it now or again. It's a part of our nature. And I think it's incredibly important to look at the past to acknowledge it so we can put those ghosts to rest, which we have never done. Um, and we, we, we do that by facing it, by everyone understanding and moving on. And yeah, and so I like to, to make sure that energy and that resistance is still alive. I don't want those women's lives to be in vain for nothing. I understand. Has a poem you've written ever humbled or frighten you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I've written some stuff that's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Do I really want to share that with the public? And I, I stand by it. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, fuck me. This is about the poem. It's okay. not about me and my audience. This is the poem, the poem speaking. And sometimes they have their own life outside of me that I respect. Sometimes they might even say things that I don't believe in. That's okay. It's a poem. It's a stance. It's a voice. It's like a little person, you know? Would you be willing to share one of those? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah, let's see. (laughs) (laughs) see, What do I got here? Um, Let's do this one. Um, Zuni Puebla Shalako. So with this one, I, in in grad, grad school linguistics, I got to meet a wonderful friend, and she is Zuni. And she invited me to Shalico in New Mexico. Shalico is basically um, the Zuni New Year. And it is amazing. They build houses. And they build houses for these families to move into. They're huge homes. And on this certain night, all of the Shalicos, the Shalicos are like different spirits, like bird spirits or mudheads, mudheads. The, the kachinas come in and they dance in the houses and it's amazing. And they do this all night. And um, there's blankets all along the wall. Like they dress the house up like a person. And then um, these elders were singing in this beautiful song like echo. And this goes on to like two or three o'clock in the morning. It's incredible. Everyone's stamina. My white ass is sitting there. I can't believe what's going on. It is beautiful. I got to witness something really old and it started making me think, too, about this relationship I have as a white person in this country. You know, I've, I've, you know, I was born into this body and this skin. And there's lessons in all of our bodies to learn about. And so what is the lesson of my, my skin, my whiteness? What can I learn from my culture to make this world a better place? And so there's healing. 
like, okay, let's go. So I wrote this poem. Um, yeah, Zinni Pueblo at Shalako. And in it, I'm addressing the U.S. and, you know, my culture also. <clears throat> All right. We met in grad school studying linguistics. She invited me here, Desert Precipice, New Mexico. The stars aren't big just because they are so far away. It's a privilege, I write. Deer Mask White. He held its long nose, singing in like echo, raised it to water, eyes in dark clothes. Anywhere a mask goes, on a hill where I smell juniper burn, drifts intentionally, she says, where they'll run down from there. Another dance around midnight, transparent and red, and the glass of the dance, the mud heads motion upward. A Coca-Cola machine, plug buzzes in the wind. I'm noticeable, a guest to the poetry here. I can't understand the basket with a black stripe. The technology of the basket is just something I mentioned. Whites inherited a power we killed for, the memory to forget children underground college campuses. The body is a long river. Every one of our forms hands it to us, looking back at a sky in front of us. I am tired of being haunted and without honor. This story has been between us for centuries. Leave us space here for questions. You don't have to know anyone to write a poem, but you do need a language you don't really understand. In Stars and Stripes, shot up into fireworks I applaud, children white with eyes like air. I'm so tired of the headlights in the road and all the valley you go on about. Children underground, my regional bank. Too many ghosts speaking at once. We won't see it coming. And that's the end. Wow. You know, as I've listened to you tonight, I'm going to ask you a question. You don't need to answer if you don't want to. You can just say, I declare. Okay. So let's right. consider it. All right. And then I'll tell you why I asked the question. Mm-hmm. As I've listened to you talk about being white, mm-hmm. it made me wonder whether you wish you had been born in a different skin. Oh, no. No, no, no. I'm glad I was born white. It's um, because I think I'm, I'm doing a good job learning what I'm supposed to. You know, I'm learning, learning a lot, listening to black voices. I'm so happy for black power. I love black love. I love seeing black folk love on themselves. Right. Black power has made this country safer. As a gay person, I'm grateful to the black power movement. Mm-hmm. For making this country a safer place for me. White people didn't do that. Um, I, I'm, I'm really, yeah, I'm really rooting for everybody. And I think I, my responsibility is to talk to my culture. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about bodies. I'm not talking about literally white skin or this or that. Um, you know, it, you, it's the culture you're, you're raised around. It's a mentality. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I am. I'm trying my best, and I've learned. I've learned a lot from voices of color, from women. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm, 
I keep learning all the time and we're at a really lucky time to learn from one another. Um, now that communication is so open. Right. Um, well, you know, the reason I ask that is mm-hmm. that I guess it made me think, have I ever wanted to be in another skin, a white skin? Mm-hmm. And my answer is no. Mm-hmm. Despite the, the difficulties, despite the yeah. ups and downs in terms of racism, discrimination, all those different things, mm-hmm. I've never wanted to be anything else. I can't yeah. say it because I don't know anything else. Maybe that could be it. But I've never, yeah. I've never wanted to be anything else. And there are people mm-hmm. out there who want to be different. That's it, you know, it yeah. comes with the territory. But I just felt like I needed to ask you that question because I didn't know. I didn't oh, know. no, that's totally fine. No, yeah, I think whatever your body you're born into, there is a history behind it. Mm-hmm. And they're so good to look at that and to see, okay, I've got these ancestors. What did they have to tell me? Oh, damn, I killed a lot of people. All right. So let me think about <laughs> what I've inherited. You know, my mm-hmm. dad had me waving at black folk, yelling, uh, not yelling, but waving at black folks saying the hello N-word to them out of, out of the, oh, wow. out of the yeah, my dad even killed a black man. He threw a mustard jar at him and hit him in the head and he died. And no, there's no investigation. We had the KKK in my hometown. Um, they were the police. So I'm coming from this background as mm-hmm. a queer kid. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know why people choose to, <laughs> they choose such awful, awful things to pop, you know, but that's just how it is. So, but you just have to, you know, do your best speaking out about it, you know, when you can and learning mm-hmm. about it, you know. All right. Well, I appreciate your honesty. I really, really do. This is an important conversation for everyone out there. Oh, good, good. I'm trying. I'm trying my best. Yes, I think I think we both are. You know, some poets claim that a poem is like a living creature, my friend. Once it's out there, there's not much you can do to correct or improve it, while others edit meticulously, not leaving much from the original draft form. What is your take on the editing process? Oh, God, I edit mine so much. I edit it. I'm such a perfectionist. I mean, I labor. I'll read through it and read through it. I'll stop writing when I don't edit. So I'll read through a poem. And I like, all right, I like this. I like this. I like this. When it feels off or something that doesn't feel right, I'll, I work mm-hmm. at it. I try to wow myself. Um, and that's the level I try to get to. I try to have a high standard for myself and I Edit it, edit. I work on poems for years and years. (laughs) That's my process. Um, I think other poets are able to produce a lot um, of quality uh, Mm -hmm. faster. Um, I'm getting down to practice more where I'm free writing. I'm like, you know, I get into that that space. I'm working on another book of poetry that does all of the tarot cards. So I've been channeling a lot and it's all been a different kind of voice to write in. I don't use a lot of I anymore. You, okay. It's kind of a, a natural divinatory voice for all of the tarot cards. So I've been writing a lot more volume and then the editing process, I've been detracting a lot more. Um, I think that's, it's been efficient. I really like that writing a ton and um, finding the poem in, in, in it. All right. You know, we've reached 
the favorite part of the program for me. I uh-huh. view it as being a mini poetry concert. This is an opportunity for you to share two or three of your works back to back, no interruptions from me. All right? You got it. You're on stage. Okay. Let's see. I'm going to read Zanuck stanzas. It's a longer one. And then I'll read that um, capitalism calls poetry lazy. Zanuck stanzas. It was a really hot year. Don't much remember 2017. Someone spells my name wrong, taking it down for a table. Don't know the lovely W and Y combo. Dad, you get liver cancer via Agent Orange. Orange would drip down on the soldiers. He pantomimes, wiping it off his brow. Says the foliage liquefies into a bright jet froth upon the jungle earth. The U.S. sprayed 11.2 million gallons of the agent in Vietnam after 65. The Red Cross says up to 1 million people are severely deformed, disabled, and have severe health problems 40 years later, 2018. The pictures I search for the babies, I close my eyes, I turn away. Dr. Bradley at the VA gives my dad four months to live. With his time left, he watches the History Channel, which convinces him aliens built the pyramids. Maybe the aliens built Agent Orange, and maybe they bombed Syria and warmed the planet. I practice telekinesis, moving garnets across the table, witch hazel essence, theater tickets, and orgasm, the dollar store. I'll read a predictably wise, dull poem in a renowned magazine. It's like when white people move into the barrio, soon a community is replaced with lawyers' offices. These poems, waiting to stand trial. No one takes a shit in the Paris Review. It's 2018 this year when dad dies February. Not from cancer, but MRSA, which is everywhere now, in gyms and in hospitals. The nurse says, kind of laughing, I'm there the hours, the gradual suffocation and incomplete lungs held his eyes and mine, us looking into us looking out from a darkness. Then his eyes let go of mine. Then his were black wells traveling my face. I'm cleaning out his apartment. Turtle wax, wristwatches, cans and cans of carrots he bought after watching that prepper show on the Learning Channel. A good blue cooler I keep, duct tape, all the flashlights he collected, iodine tablets, bullets for 32, that paperback on Iran-Contra, gauze, Louis L'Amour books. He loved the Western genre. The hardest part, Dad, was throwing your favorite clothes into the dumpster. Each pastel shirt and the gross darkness lying together. When I sleep like my father to ease the TV shows, I'm in the important house he was going to shoot his brains out in. But a plagiarized haiku and bank pen don't blow your head off with the final five-syllable line. Japanese haikus don't count syllables. They count moras. So haikus are never there. The war on drugs, which ones? The war on chemicals, biological warfare, the Discovery Channel. Without money for cable, the voices in beauty, probably on food stamps. Have you fed the dog, baby? I ate some turkey. I turned on the oven and talked to it. That night, 
I dreamt of the Octomom holding Agent Orange babies. God, why didn't you show up to our gay rights rally and never do my liberal co-workers either? Oh, of course you support gay rights. Why would your absence assume otherwise? Maybe something was on Netflix. You know that show where red flowers pour out of Syrians' heads? But does a girl really die if she has Jesus, asks the NRA? What? Nice! Does she resurrect? If God killed his only son, then how many sons does a president get to kill? The people you paid my father to kill to ensure your investments were buried in his life. When our boys die, son, they're shipped home cold and white. White like my skin is white. White as the color of money. The next poem is going to be Capitalism Calls Poetry Lazy. As soon as I find it. Where'd you go? Just a second. Of course, I can't find it. There it is. Yeah, 74. All right. Capitalism calls poetry lazy. Overcast day, long slack sleeves pale in February. Walking through Feldman's neighborhood, Tucson, small adobe houses, terracotta, that one's prune-colored, empty glass broken, of course I moved closer. Pothole and smell of dog shit and barking of different sized dog stops. Traffic signal and cast a shadow in the bike lane. The New York Times. Syria in catastrophe, but I see the first world selling its immune system to the same customers it tears to pieces. I'm eating an eclair in this cafe, cafe passe, busy with self-filled conversations. An ex-Mormon Reiki master and an Orange County shaman talk about healing movie stars online with gypsum and exercise. I'm writing this from my disappointment, not yours. Capitalism calls poetry lazy, tells my poems to go get a job. Where? The Twin Towers? Economy of hacks, economy of shysters. But I'm loyal to what mends me. I'm in his arms in my head writing this. I'm not economic. I want soap and to see a glacier. Burden melt light weakening forward from off its architecture and the snowing stops. Allow us to live without the states. Let us rest from voting. Let us rest from our work. Let our hands rest over poems. Let the satellites fall like fruit. Let our loved ones be buried in earth once free. Let Rivers nomadic once roaming. Let our tools wander in air and rain. Let our fathers come home from prison. Let us in evening hold them and beneath shelter weep. Beneath shelter of theater. Beneath theater of rising seas. Let us remember noon on a river. Our loved ones in debt. Our loved ones toiling still in debt. Let our spirit of We forget spirit of plastic, spirit of optics. Let spirit of rest, let us rest from dreaming inside your money so that we may bury the ocean. Let us bury loved ones 
and let us bury the ones we've killed. Let us return the states of America, spirit of, spirit of I forget, Wind River. Let us survive our history. Let us change our names without registration. Let the ones we've killed be our country. May we bury those we bomb. Let spirit of street bums, of the ones we let starve, let their begging sit on our tongues once I speak. Let the ones drones killed my son, let us turn our hands to earth to let rest the light be on leaves and let us with names we forget serve who they are let our work on earth be forgiven let us return we come remorseful the children we've murdered jc pennies shirts and sheets let us lay down to leave in our beautiful cars and our medications and washing machines spirit of criminals spirit of greatness of earth and spirit of eminence. Let us and our states unbuild and let us once more come home. That's it. Wow. Incredible. Oh, thank you. Why, I've got to get work. <laughs> I like writing them, but then I have to step up to the plate of the poem. You know what I mean? I got to do it. Yes. Yeah, you did it. I, I tried to live in your home, so you did that. <laughs> Thank you. You scared me one time. <laughs> oh, good, good. Yeah, that one, I have to scream the white noise. You know what I mean? I'm going to scream that oh, one. And, and you did. I'm like, whoa. Uh, <laughs> nah, no, <yeah. laughs> Never scared the host, man. Never scared the host. Oh, hey. I'm, you know, I scare a lot of people. <laughs> well, my question is... <laughs> What do you think you learned about yourself writing this book? I that I care. I I, I love that I I care. I care about the world. I I do care about this country. I, I want us to live better, to learn from our mistakes, and, and love uh, love our our country and love one another better. We're so split up into these stupid ideas that don't do anyone a whole lot of good. Um, so I, I'm glad that I care, and that's a lot of where my writing comes from. It motivates me to write. Um, um, yeah, yeah, and I'm, I, I like looking back at the, the language I created, and um, it feels right. It feels like I'm talking, you know. I like that. Do you think you were meant to be a poet, White? Um, I don't know. I mean, it comes, I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to step up to the plate. I'm, I've got this book out. So it's like, all right, what's, what's this whole publishing industry? And I've got to go around the country reading like, all right, well, let's, let's do it. If this is, if it's a path that's opening up for me and that's, um, I'm, I feel lucky to travel it. And, um, yeah, I'm going to try my best, you know? Yes. So at this point, what surprises you most about being a poet? Um, oh, that there are endless surprises. Language is incredible. <laughs> it's really amazing. You know, I, there's only like a few thousand words that people typically need in a language, the building blocks of it, vocabulary-wise. You know, linguists right. look at if any language, every language on the planet, roughly what's the average number of words 
that a language needs. And okay. it's incredible the infinite structures you can create um, with syntax and just basic words. It's, it's really exciting. So that's really cool. Um, we have all these volumes and volumes of writing and poetry, and they're all pretty unique. It's, it's, uh, it's exciting. I love that. All right. We've reached the end of our poetic journey. Okay, that was fast. This has been really great <laughs> talking to you, Dr. Ingram. Thank you for yeah, having thank me. Thank you, on. sir. I've enjoyed it myself. Well, let me ask this yeah. question. Mm-hmm. How can people stay in touch? Oh, um, I have an Instagram account, Poetry White Welch. And <laughs> I'd say that unconfidently. Yeah, Poetry White Welch. Um, then I have my, uh, a webpage, um, whitewelch.org, O-R-G. Um, or felt like the best one to do at the time. <laughs> um, I'm also um, going to be donating a lot of my personal income from the book. I'm donating that to children that have been affected by Agent Orange. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, poetry doesn't make a lot of money, but I'll, I'll do as much as I can. Um, I'll take photographs of all that. Um, since I do talk about its horrors mm-hmm. in the book and how it affected my father, um, and how it hurt him uh, the whole war. I, hopefully some of this pain can be transmuted through the poetry and it can physically um, help somebody out for what it's worth. You know, the, God, it's awful the damage has been done. But hopefully next time something like this comes up where our, our government is going to use chemical weapons on the people, that we all, instead of just letting them do it, that we go down there and stop our government from doing something horrendous like this again that is done to Vietnam. Um, that's what I hope, you know. Well, before we move further, I want to apologize to you. A couple of seconds ago, I said, thank you, sir. And oh, um, no. okay. I caught I like myself. All right. Well, I guess <laughs> my thing is I'm learning, too. I'm learning, too. I'm learning, no, too. I'm learning, too. That's great. I know we all have these patterns we fall back on. Yes. You know, I'm really comfortable with he. There is a okay. side of myself that's like, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. And there's a she there I like too. And they feels really good. I like, okay. um, you know, changing a pronoun structure, that's a, that is a radical linguistic act. When mm. we see how languages evolve over the centuries, pronoun systems really don't change a whole lot. Okay. Um, but singular, singular they is attested in other languages, like in Tahana A'atam. It's an indigenous language down in southern Arizona in Tucson. And they have one word. It's like it or they, but it's mm-hmm. one word. And you, it means the one thing or the plural thing. It's just one word. It's like singular they or plural it, you could say. And um, it works just fine. People are able to communicate in that language. So it's going to take time, but it's really exciting that we've now created this mm-hmm. pronoun, very highly patriarchal, patriarchal language. And it's going to take yeah. time. But, you know, the queer community is what we've decided on. And really, it's great when people have been supportive of it. Well, I guess for me, too, you know, being from the South, I'll put it yeah. on that. Uh, sir and ma'am are yeah. two things that I, I was brought up saying them. And yeah, I mean, too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Capitalism calls poetry lazy. Where can we find it? Where can we find um, it? Yeah, um, you can go to Flower Song Press. You can buy the book directly from the publisher. 
Um, and now it's available online, um, all sorts of different um, books. I think um, books.com has it. Of course, it's on, you know, on Amazon. Everyone knows that one. Um, but yeah, it's on a, it's on a few around it. it, it easy Google search will bring it up. Okay. Yeah. Bookshop.org. Yeah. Well, what's next for you? What's next for you? Where do you go from here creatively? Well, I'm going to be doing um, readings and then I'm going to be on the road, um, which is really exciting. Um, I'll be reading at a room of one's own and um, doing a tour and then getting to see my birth mom for a bit. And um, I've yeah, so I'll be on book tour around the Great Lakes area, and then I fly um, to San Francisco, and I do a reading there on um, the 29th of June. And I'm working hard on my second book and meeting other poets and trying to create community and um, encouraging other people to write their poems. All right. So it's Very a lot nice. of fun. Well, I want to thank you, Wyatt. Uh, I'm glad you're in the world. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you're in the world, too. I appreciate everything you do for poetry. Thank you. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Here we go again. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got a a bit of an unshaven beard right now. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. I feel better. (laughs) All right. So I guess what I'm saying is, is that I admire your intestinal fortitude, despite all you've been through, to keep living. Oh, to thanks. Keep pushing. I Thank you. I respect keep growing. living keep growing. all of Thank you. Yes. I mean, I wish you nothing but the best. Nothing but the best. And when you write your next book, I want you to contact me. Oh, I'll find you. And I want you to come back. <laughs> I appreciate that. I will absolutely contact you. Thank you. Well, good. I appreciate it. I'm glad, we were, I'm glad our paths have crossed. Yeah, and me everyone too. out there, capitalism calls Poetry Lazy, (laughs) a fantastic (laughs) title for an incredible book. Well, all right, everyone out there in listener land, like I share with you every time we're together, let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. Take care, Wyatt. Have a great evening. All right. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at qlpor.com.